You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The light has come. All right. Well, you know, the goal is that when the, the wonderful video starts to do the scripture reading, all the obedient people in the congregation go, oh, we should sit down now and listen. But you guys are just so darn in love with each other, you keep talking. Let me quickly read to you the text that we're going to hone in on uh, today. Actually, I'll do that in a second. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Brad. I'm one of the, the pastors here at uh, Town Center specifically. And, um, you know, if I knew they were going to show a video so quickly of the Christmas Village, I might have changed what I was wearing from yesterday. <laughs> they could have given me a warning. That would be nice. Uh, I was just glad that the snow we ordered came in just in time for the Christmas Village, so that worked out uh, well. So uh, last week we jumped into our Advent series, and for those of you who, who maybe don't know, and maybe you, you haven't gone to a, a, a church maybe ever, or you haven't gone to a church that kind of walks through a season of Advent, Advent is basically the idea of waiting, it's the idea of anticipation. In, in many ways that the, the, the Jews of the Old Testament, the children of Israel, were waiting for a Messiah. We now sit in Advent as well, and we await the second coming of, of Christ, the light of the world. And so we've been walking through uh, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, John was an early friend of Jesus. And he, he, was, uh, he walked with him, he did ministry with him, he watched him perform miracles, and ultimately he witnessed his crucifixion and also his resurrection. And it was so convincing for John that Jesus uh, truly was who he said he was, that he proved that, that he could forgive sins, he proved that he was the Son of God by healing, and ultimately by being raised from the dead. And John was so convinced of that, that he went all the way till his death proclaiming it and not taking it back, saying, no, I'm sorry, I saw it. I'm a witness to it. My whole life is found in this light of the world that we're going to talk about right now. And he, he also didn't want it just for himself. He wanted this light then to reflect out to everyone else and all the way to you and I, because he was so convinced. So he wrote the gospel of John and he wrote some other letters as well. And so that is where we find ourselves today. And we're going to focus in on two verses today. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Speaking of Jesus, uh, John says this. He says, in him, Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Jesus, I pray you'd open our hearts and minds to what you would want to say to us this morning. Many of us have walked into this place and physically, evidently, it's dark outside. Um, But even emotionally and spiritually, we maybe walk in here this morning and just say, God, please shine some light into my life. Shine some light into, into my mind and give me wisdom and shine some light into my heart that feels uh, dark and broken and lonely. Jesus, speak to each of us regardless of how we enter here today. We pray this in your name. Amen. One of the, one of the last things John writes in this gospel, uh, he writes it in, uh, in chapter 20, he, in verse 31, he says, these are written, I wrote this entire book, I wrote this entire gospel so that you, everyone, may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John loves referring, and he does this in in all of his writings in the New Testament, he loves referring to Jesus as the light. Now that's a good metaphor. I mean, we get that metaphor. We we put up our Christmas tree last night, and the minute you put on those white lights and they burst into the darkness, you're like, ah, I get that metaphor. But even more so for in John's day, in the first century, imagine what it was like when you talked about light, how important it was to have light burst into the darkness so that you could see. He loves referring to Jesus as light, to shine into spiritual darkness and emotional darkness, cognitive darkness, spiritual darkness. And it's, it's a metaphor that, that, that we get. Even today, we know that the sun, the light of the sun, is the best source we have for vitamin D. Vitamin D is important. It, it builds strong bones. It, it fights against cancer growth. It, it controls infections. It, it reduces inflammation. If we don't get enough sun, we'll need to take supplements because there's something that only the light from the sun can give us. We know the process of photosynthesis to grow plants. They, they need the light of the sun in order to grow and produce plants. Uh, we know that uh, without the light of our iPhone in the middle of the night, it's impossible to find clothes and get changed and not wake up the person in our room. Okay, that's just me. Many of us know the effects on ourselves, emotionally, spiritually, when the hours grow darker earlier. In, in this season, many of you maybe even have some of those, those lights that you, you, you sit by because you, you have seasonal uh, emotional issues. And, and, and so you, you will sit with a certain light on in order to, to uh, emotionally give you strength and help to, to supplement what the sun is not doing in this season. And so into this morning, regardless of how you come here, I, I want to I- invite you to hear the words of John. For those feeling spiritually malnourished, spiritually and emotionally disoriented, unable to find sustenance, and feeling as though you're walking in darkness, John says, this light brings life. This light brings life. So please don't come here this morning and just go, oh, okay, check. We've done it. That's what Christians do. No, no, no. (laughs) Hear this. This light This Jesus, he brings light. Whatever you're walking in here with this morning, he can shed light on the situation. He brings life physically, and John makes the point that it brings life spiritually. He records Jesus in his gospel, in in the gospel of John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus is speaking in front of a group of people, and he says, I am the light of the world. Oh, just for a few certain people? No, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
the light of life, the way to see, the way to be guided, to live in wisdom, to have clarity for our every day. See things how they truly are, to shed some light on them. This is the, the idea of light shining on, on our lives to give us wisdom and, and help, us, uh, help us walk in wisdom is, is, is an ancient idea. Uh, in, in Psalm 119, the, the Hebrew poet says this in 100, verse 105. He says, your word, speaking of the way God has revealed himself in Scripture, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light on my path. It helps me know where to go. Today we might say your, your word is an iPhone in my hallway of life at 1 a.m. in the morning. John says, yes, God has re- revealed himself in the past, but now, oh, now, he's revealed himself. This, he's, he, he has this revelation of himself that has come into the world to show us the heart and the love and the light of God. So if, if you pay attention to scripture, you must pay attention to the word of life. You must pay attention to to God physically entering into our darkness and into our existence. And so for all of those who might say, well, uh, I don't like Jesus, but I like to be spiritual. John would say, you can't have spiritual clarity without the light of life. You you cannot do the smorgasbord of spirituality and just go, I like this one, I like this one. No, no, none of that has, you're eating in the dark and you don't know what you're eating if the light of the world does not shine on your life. Now, there's another characteristic of light, and this is where it gets more difficult. Light sounds, I mean, light shining, who doesn't like light shining into our lives? But he also says this, light exposes the darkness. This one we don't like as much. We know that when certain things are not exposed, they can do a lot of damage. Some of you maybe uh, have, have stepped into the shower once, and you, you've pushed against the wall, and it goes, you go, uh oh, uh, uh-oh. something's been going on inside those walls that I don't know about. Um, you can, when something like this starts showing up, something has been happening in the walls usually already. In fact, black mold can move through your entire house before it even starts showing up on the outside. Darkness, uh, uh, evil loves to do stuff in the darkness in our lives as well, just like black mold can be unseen if there's no light shining on it to expose the way it's taking over and doing damage. That can happen in our hearts. It can happen in our minds as well. One of the ways to fight against Uh, against black mold, the first thing they'll do is open all the blinds and have sunlight shine into the room. That is the best way to kill mold. Evil does its best work in the darkness, but the light exposes and extinguishes the darkness. It does this in a few ways. Exposes the damage of darkness. The light of life exposes the damage of darkness. Many who have walked with addiction maybe who have walked with uh, depression, maybe relational struggles, they know that the longer they wait before they, they, they allow that to be exposed, before the, the Band-Aid kind of comes off, the more it grows in our lives unchecked. The Apostle Paul, a, a, an earlier follower of Jesus as well, he said this in Ephesians chapter 5. He's writing to the early church. He says, For you were once in darkness, but now... You are light in the world. That's what happens when the light of Christ shines on us. We become light in the world. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 
It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The, the light of the gospel shows us the way of life, the, the life of flourishing. It, it keeps us from the blindness of often selfishness um, to, that seeks to serve. It, it changes our heart to seek and serve and love the other, to shine light on the other. This light shines on the pursuits of humanity are every day as well as the larger, and it sees them for the, the limited and often the damaging pursuits that they are, driving us to despair and frustration and loneliness and grasping in the dark. They expose what lies beneath the wall, behind the wall. Sometimes when you rip away that, you see that this has been going on for quite some time, rotting on the inside. But then that light can rebuild it and transform it. Because light also exposes the blindness that we get when we live in darkness. When we keep spiritually stubbing our toes on things, light shines into that darkness. Because without the light of the gospel, our vision is very limited. We have the wrong perspective. The light of the gospel is, is a way of seeing things from, from beyond the perspective of darkness, from outside of it, as the, the eternal light steps into our light. Now, now, John's language of light and darkness is, is not new to the first century. They would have heard this theme of, of light shining into darkness before. Now, I know you didn't come here to get a philosophy lesson, but you're going to get it anyway. Uh, one of the most famous works of the ancient world was the Republic by Plato. And within uh, in Plato's Republic, he, he speaks, and, and many scholars think that John had this in mind when he wrote the gospel and used this kind of metaphor. But he speaks, there's something called Plato's cave allegory. And I think I've got an image up there that semi-represents it. Yes. So Plato's idea of, of the cave was that we are all born into a cave of darkness. We're all born into a cave of darkness. Uh, it doesn't show it in this image, but our, our faces, are, our, our necks are chained, our, our ankles are chained, and we can't move and we can only face the back of the cave. And behind us is a wall, behind that wall is a fire, and it's as if someone is moving uh, figures in front of that fire and casting a shadow against the wall that we're looking at, like a, like a rear projector, right? Shining in forward. And what all of humanity is, Plato says, all of humanity is in the situation that all we see is the shadows going across, these silhouettes going across the cave wall behind us. But we're convinced, because it's the only thing we've ever seen, that that is reality. That, that that is all that is true. And there is nothing bigger in life than just what we see shining on the back wall. I guess if it was a modern day and we were trying to figure out what is something that is, is equal to us seeing a, a tainted version of the world and thinking it's reality, we might, our modern one might look like, look like this. I think Facebook, and, and that tells me what's really going on in the world. But, the, but Plato goes on to say that if anyone was ever released from there and went out of the cave and saw sunlight and saw real birds and saw real plants and saw real trees, it would take a while because the sun would be burning their eyes because they've never seen it, but they would be so excited they would go running back into that cave and say, this is not reality. There's something much bigger going on. You need to get out of this cave. But Plato goes on to say that they will not believe that person. Because they've, they've been convinced that all that is real, 
all that is their future is what is on the back wall of the cave. And John says, Christ's light comes in. Christ's light comes into your life. When our world seems so small, when the situations that we, we read about or the situations that we walk through seem so small, just like shadows, he says there's such a much larger story going on. Now, Plato actually goes on to say that if anyone ever tried to do that, they would get so angry they'd kill him. You can think on that one later. <laughs> Light causes pain. It caused pain for the person who comes out of uh, the cave. I, I wasn't going to use this illustration, but I'm, I'm going to use it anyway. There's something about walking into the light that can, I mean, we've all done this in the morning when someone flips the light on or we walk out a little early and we haven't adjusted yet. That can be painful. That can keep people from wanting to walk into the light. We want to do it much, much slower. Many of you have maybe seen uh, The Matrix, which is now a very old movie. Um, but there's a scene in Matrix, for, for those of you who don't know, basically AI has taken over, it's prophetic, AI has taken over, and uh, all of humanity are actually just in pods, and they're like batteries feeding, feeding the machines. And Neo, the main character, has been in a pod, but he doesn't know that, because his mind is plugged into the Matrix. So he thinks there's a whole world out there for himself, when in reality, he's, he's just this body inside this pod as a battery for the machine until he is rescued. Someone comes into the cave and rescues him. His name's Morpheus, and he pulls him out. And after they, Morpheus and his friends nurture him and kind of get him back to, to, to kind of using his muscles and everything, Morpheus opens his eyes and he said, why do my eyes hurt so much? And Morpheus says, you've never used them before. Very much when the gospel light shines in our lives, especially if, like Paul was saying, we've been happy to live in darkness, it'll burn our eyes. That's why many people do not want to be exposed to the light of the gospel. Because there's too much immediate pain that shines on us and says, there's a better way to live. And I know you're used to darkness, but there's a way to flourish. There's a, there's a new way to see yourself, a new identity that you can be given that can never be taken. And I know it hurts to hear that when you've been told so many other things. And it's going to burn your eyes for a bit, but this, life brings li this light brings life. There is a pain that accompanies being exposed. That's why so many will not do it. There's a fear that, uh, that accompanies allowing light to shine in. And because of this, darkness hates the light. Darkness hates the light. Evil hates the light. The devil hates the light. Again, John records Jesus' words. Jesus is speaking to, this is interesting, Jesus is speaking to a, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is very interested in this light. He wants to go hear more from Jesus, this light that's shining into the world. And so he goes, but he doesn't want to get exposed to the fact that he wants to talk to Jesus, so he goes to him at night. <laughs> so no one will see him talking to Jesus. And Jesus says this in a verse that many of you will know. He says in verse 16 of John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the offer of the light. If you're wondering about the gospel, that's the offer. The light is shone into the world so that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. However, in verse 19, he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. They're too connected to their deeds. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly 
that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. There's, there's a natural draw to love darkness instead of light. One thing, it's easier. Because darkness says you don't have to answer to anybody. Darkness says you can live with secrets and it will not burden your soul. You, you can write your own story. And because the light of Jesus pushes up against that, those who love darkness will reject the light. This is important. I want you to notice what Jesus says here. It's not because someone came up with a better light that outshines the eternal light of Christ. Uh, It's not that there's a a light that outshines the light of life. It's not because they came up with a, a philosophical argument that nullifies the idea of the light. It's simply because they love darkness. That, that's what Jesus says. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Bible scholar Warren Wiersbe says it this way. He says, It's not intellectual problems that keep people from trusting Christ. It's the moral and spiritual blindness that keeps them loving the darkness and hating the light. They're so convinced that it brings life. However, as as John says, as much as the darkness would like the light to be snuffed out, it can't be snuffed out. And that's what I'll leave you with this morning. The darkness cannot overcome the light. It cannot. As much as many would like to think that the, the that the church is just an institution of the past, and, the, and believe me, the West has been working for 400 years to make the church something of the past. To think that it can be just dismissed, the church, or the message of the church can be dismissed, is to misunderstand the gospel as a philosophy or an ideology or a movement based on just the makeup of its people. It's to think that the light came and it can be overcome, but it cannot. Because this light is based on life, death, and resurrection and future coming of Christ. Governments have tried to snuff it out. Many places in the world, they're trying at this moment. They cannot and they won't. Because in verse 5, John does not say the darkness will not overcome it. He says the darkness has not overcome it. John, like us, is on this side of the resurrection. And he's saying they tried to kill the light. They tried to snuff out the light. And they could not. When he uses that word in Greek, it means two things. It means that word understand. It says they they couldn't comprehend it, couldn't understand it, but it also means they couldn't put a stop to it. They tried and they couldn't. Please understand this. Christianity is not dualism. Christianity is not the darkness is strong, the light is strong, and I sure hope we win. That's not what Christianity is. The resurrection declares that we have already won when our life and our identity and our hope is found in Jesus. It's not a question of whether or not the light will win. It's not a, a holding out hope. Come on, God, you can do it. It's not what it is. The language of John 1.5 is not hopeful. It's declarative. It tried, and it will not. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, could not. The, a possible rendering of this would be, the light is still shining in the darkness, and the darkness could not put it out. It tried, and it failed, past tense, full stop. John, who wrote this gospel, probably writing in the 70s and the 80s, writing to those who are in the midst of persecution, wondering if God is still at work, wondering if he's going to be able to pull it off, wondering if their story is still moving in the right direction. 
John's reminding them that the darkness threw everything it could at the light. It took the perfect Son of God, and in hatred, and in dismissal, and in disgust, and vile laughter, tortured and crucified the word of life, the light of the world. And if the light was a philosophy, if the light was an idea, if it was a story, if it was a myth, that would have been it. But instead of that, soon after the death of the light of the world, there was an explosion in the ancient world, a movement that has not stopped, that small groups and large groups have tried to snuff out. And if it was a philosophy or an idea, they would have been able to do it. But as we often sing, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. This light will not be put out, ever. When God is dismissed from the larger world, when God is dismissed from the individual world, from, from your story, the world becomes dark, and it gets dark quick. When we're told that there's no fate but what you make, there's no story but what you can create, we are removing the very paper upon which we need to write our story. We've got no utensils to write our story with anymore. When we become what one philosopher calls buffered, when we're, we're cut off from a larger story or, or cut off from the eternal, the effects are detrimental and the world seems dark and clouded. When God is dismissed from our own lives, our, our sense of self, our identity, our place in the universe, we become sojourners in search of a story to live in and we will try story after story after story. Jesus says your story begins and ends with the fact God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, none of, that, none of that desire in us, none of that idea of darkness makes the story of Jesus true, but it, but it points to our need and our desire for a larger story. A, a solely materialistic view of reality leads to nihilism and it leads to despair. And what makes this story true and therefore, what brings hope is the fact that John, who tells this story, saw it happen. He saw the one who claimed to be the light of the world, who pushed up against darkness, bringing light into dark places, bringing light to and liberating those who felt like they only had a, a small story, those who felt forgotten. And he testifies to the light. Later on, when John is writing to some of the early churches in 1 John, one, one. He says this. He says, that which was from the beginning, speaking of Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Just like the one we hoped for, the one we felt in our heart. No, the one we saw face to face. We listened to his voice. So for the scientist and the historian, the facts are in. The eyewitnesses saw it. There are primary sources that said, we saw the risen Christ. The light cannot be snuffed out. And some will say, well, John was biased. Well, wouldn't you be if you witnessed a resurrected friend? Of course he's biased. He goes on to say in verse 5, this is the message we've heard from him, and we now declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Darkness couldn't leave its mark, couldn't leave its stain. For John, because he saw the light, he witnessed the light. He witnessed darkness fail at overpowering the light. And he saw light's power over sin and death. He now saw everything in his life in a new light. 
Everything about who he was, everything about who he de- what he desired, everything that he pursued was now seen in a new light. And that's what the gospel invites us into, to see ourselves in a new light, to see the world in a new light, to see history in a new light. If this is true, and John gave his whole life declaring that it was, and good proofs that he did, and so did 500 other people declared that they saw it as well. C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. This gospel ought to light up our whole life, to light our path, like the people inside the cave in spiritual darkness. And the invitation is, that, is one to clarity in our lives that starts with, with looking at the light of life and allowing it to take over everything. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, For, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And even within being liberated, there can be learning and changing and sanctifying that burns the eyes, <laughs> that, that hurts as we allow God's light to shine in, like, like peering into the sun. But this light has shone in the darkness, continues to shine in the darkness. The darkness tries, could not, and will not overcome it. And so this light is the light of life. By it we see, by, by it we, we find understanding We find light. We find identity. We are a a world in search of identity. It begins and falls with who are you in light of the gospel, this light of light. The darkness has tried and has not, and the darkness will try and will not overcome it. So the invitation today is to step into the light. The invitation today and and, and through this season is to allow this this light of Christ, this eternal light to expose and clarify, to, to have our eyes opened to this life that cannot be overcome. There are so many smaller stories. There are so many iPhone lights that we're using to try to, to guide our path. Or many of us are just trying to walk through life with our hands over our eyes and just hoping it goes well. Jesus invites us into this beautiful story of his light shining into our lives. And this is an invitation for everyone. The light shines everywhere, every corner. So I don't care how you came in. I don't care what things connect you to outside the walls of this building that you think disqualify you for this light in your life. It does not. All are welcomed in to have this light of Christ shine on them, to bring flourishing, to bring, to bring wisdom, to bring salvation and community with the creator of the world. Let's pray. God of grace, we thank you for this amazing gift of life and of light. And God, in this season, not only the season of the year, but this season of of history in the West. For many of us, this this seems uh, morally, this seems spiritually maybe the darkest we've ever seen it. But because we belong to the light, that is no reason to give up hope. Because it doesn't doesn't depend on us. It it, it does not, your power does not shrink in the light of, of government powers or ideologies 
because you are above it all. You are the king of creation and you sit enthroned above it all. And so we look forward, we anticipate the day when you will return and your light will overtake creation in its entirety. And until that day, may, may we be willing to have your light shine in our lives. And as Paul has said, may, may we then become that light into this world. God, we can be so good at talking about your peace and talking about your hope. May we be conduits of your hope. May we give that hope and give that peace and live in that hope and live in that peace as an example as those who have been exposed to the light of life. May we not walk through this Christmas season without reflecting on the beautiful light that you have shone into our lives and that you have shone into the world. And may we offer that light to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.